When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome into another edition of the Wolverine Podcast here on a Monday night, October 3rd, 2022. Anthony Broom joined as always by Chris Ballas and Clayton Safey here on our Monday night program. Another Michigan football victory Monday. Uh, Michigan wins 27-14 over Iowa uh, at Kinnick Stadium, their first victory there since the 2005 season. Uh, Chris, great weekend for us. Nice little staff road trip. Clayton was there as well. And as we always do to start off the Monday show, since both Chris and myself have a chance to speak after the game over the weekend, I'm going to throw it over to Clayton first. With I mean, we're just going to hop right into it. Uh, Michigan-Iowa takeaways. Clayton, you were in the stands for the game. A little bit of a different perspective for you. Let's open up with your thoughts on what you saw Saturday. Yeah, it was awesome. Cool environment, stripe out. Uh, as you said, we uh, I took one for the team. You know, we had three credentials, four guys. So that's the math there. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, and it was uh, it, it was interesting. Um, you know, to kind of watch from a little bit closer than the press box. So I thought it was a pretty good vantage point, seeing kind of the trench play, seeing uh, you know kind of what was going on at the line of scrimmage, different things, sitting kind of behind the Michigan sideline, being able to see the sub substitutions, things like that. But overall, I mean, a great win for Michigan. Anytime you can go in there and, and win a game against a team with a defense that I still have a ton of respect for coming out based on, you know, Michigan played well and executed and put up 27 points, but it wasn't easy. You know, they had to take what was there. I thought J.J. McCarthy played well from the quarterback position minus the big mistake that shifted the momentum. Uh, there was already Iowa fans that had left before that fumble that lost 21 yards, Brad Robbins, Shanks to punt, all that. Uh, and then the place came alive. They got the momentum, uh, you know, obviously cut the lead a little bit. The Michigan defense with a huge stand uh, on fourth down near the goal line. So um, it was uh, kind of the whole experience there. Michigan silenced the crowd early, set the tone. I thought that was huge. Um, defense wasn't perfect. Uh, you look at the stats, you're like, man, what a defensive gem. Well, Iowa's not a good offensive team, as we've talked about. Um, and, you know, just kind of the way they were able to get comfortable, Petrus in the pocket uh, was a little concerning, but they got to him late, which was huge with the Abioki, Mike Morris pass uh, coverage was spotty, you know, a little inconsistent. As Harbaugh mentioned, they, you know, we're kind of getting, uh, you know, their leverage was a little off at times. So um, things to clean up as always coming out of a game, but uh, overall a very, very good win. You're five and zero for consecutive seasons for the first time. In over a decade, uh, they've won 17 out of their last 19 games, two losses, one of them to the eventual national champion, the other one to an 11-win team on the road, uh, and you had some bad calls in that game as well, of course. You have to mention that. Uh, that's the best 19-game stretch since 2015-16. So uh, this Michigan program, they've kind of, you know, everyone says they can't win on the road. Well, they've done that the last couple of years, and they've got this thing rolling with a good chance of uh, having a really good season at this point. What was it like watching from the stands as an unbiased journalist? Yeah, well, first of all, you're wearing chair. Yeah, you're wearing neutral clothing. You cannot cheer. They actually had like an event staff guy 
standing in front of my row, making Good. sure I didn't cheer, just like, you know, they have the personnel up in the <laughs> press box. So it was a little weird. You know, people were asking, you know, why are you wearing – neutral clothes, you know, who are you rooting for? Things like that. I said, I'm rooting for a good story, you know, just. (laughs) (laughs) Well played clay. That's exactly. Yeah. Clayton, Clayton as an unbiased journalist was not even allowed to wave at the children's hospital after the first. (laughs) Don't turn around. Don't turn. Okay. For the record, I waved. I waved. Did you guys wave up in the press box? That was cool. Uh, I, we did not, but they, okay. were, they were like, you know, it was, and... it was so freaking hot up there. Uh, we were yeah. sitting in the front row and we were getting, I guess, still kind of the morning sun in Iowa city. And it was yeah. blasting right into our face. So the left can... side of my face is burnt. The right yeah. side isn't. Cause I was sitting where the sun was to the left. It was crazy. Beautiful. I can, I can hear the fans with their violins right now, Anthony, uh, you know, thinking about <laughs> us up there with our our drinks and our yeah i think they had turkey dinner they had they had turkey and stuffing clay i mean it was unbelievable you know we are spoiled up there everywhere but michigan state which uh serves dog food uh it's hey they they had they're selling beer in the stands at iowa so i didn't have any because i had to work after of course not because you're an unbiased journalist and you can't get beer so exactly i'll say this um you know what? Uh, we can nitpick, and we do. You know, and I got I got torched on Twitter by some uh, Twitter tough guys. You know, you're miserable, blah 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 blah. I'm like, no, no. I, any win at, at Iowa is a great win, uh, especially a double digit win. And I couldn't care less how bad Petrus was, and he was putrid. Let's be honest. Uh, he he left a lot, a lot of plays out there that better mm-hmm. quarterbacks would have made. And that could have been a closer game and, you know, would have, could have, should have, if some butts, candy and nuts and all that, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But here's the thing. You go in there and you led by 20 for a good portion of that game. And if not for that one big mistake, you know, and Kirk Ferentz, Iowa's coach said afterwards, he said he was hoping to get a few more from the young Michigan quarterback. And it wasn't entirely his fault. Somebody missed an assignment and hit him. You know, he should have talked it and taken the sack. He'll learn from that. But he played a really good game. They played Cade Ball. You know, people can get mad. He really managed the game well, as much as people are going to be pissed off to hear that, too. Uh, You know what? And that's exactly what he should have done in that environment. You don't turn him loose there, and especially considering that he's not hitting the deep ball like he probably will be later in his career. That's the one area that I think we're going to talk about where he struggled a little bit. But everything else is right on point, guys. The passes, the short passes in stride. He's given his receivers chances to make plays on the ball. I am still a little nervous about the defense. They need to get a better pass rush. The zone, they're playing a lot more zone and quarters, and it's too soft. They're finding spots in the zones that other quarterbacks, even even Peyton Thorne, could probably take advantage of. I hate to say it. So got to shore those things up. Yeah, and of course, uh, guys, feel free. We have a few questions in the queue we will get to here. Feel free to chime in with those throughout the show. And if you want to move yourself to the front of the line, you can use that donate button below and send us a super chat so uh, Clayton can buy some more neutral colors for his unbiased journalism. That's right. Um, That's right. Treks down in the stands. Uh, I want to start with the defense because, Chris, that's a good point you made. It's pretty apparent to me that this is a defense that is going to be a little more bend but don't break than last season just because they don't have those two first-round caliber pass rushers, at least yet. The thing that concerns me the most on defense so far is the fact that if you're going to bend and not break, and sometimes teams are going to go the long way on you, you have to force a few more turnovers. And I think those are coming. They say that they're coming, that they are they think that's something that will snowball here. You've seen guys in position, but um, still – they're not disrupting things enough at the line of scrimmage, which leads to mistakes, which usually leads to errant throws and and tipped balls and turnovers and things like that. So that is my, you know, 
it's been five games now. We haven't really seen this defense be truly disruptive since that opening game against Colorado State. So, you know, to nitpick that, fine. Uh, I think, you know, when we, we talk about the conversation of, you know, the, the offense that's being run and, you know, Chris, you made the comment, the Kate offense. And I also think you said this when we were in the car over the weekend that it's not necessarily the Kate offense. It's the Michigan offense. Right. And it's being run. It's being run pretty well. I mean, obviously there are things that need to be tightened up on. I think those deep balls by season's end are going to be something that get tightened up. But, you know, overall, I went back and looked it up. Iowa has not given up more than 27 or more points at home since I think it was October of 2018 when they hosted Wisconsin. So to go there and have, I'll, I'll use it in air quotes, this offensive outburst that they did, not many teams do that when they go to that building. And that place was rocking. And, you know, the Iowa offense has a way to put their own crowd to sleep. But in terms of you come out and you hammer them on the opening drive and you, you know, you kind of set a tone early. This is still a team that's learning how to, I think, I won't say win. They are 17 and two over the last 19 games, like Clayton said. But I think this, as this group turns over, you know, heading into the meat and potatoes of the schedule, it's a team that is still learning how to close out games. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing it was, I called it a Lloyd Carr win, right? Where you look up and it's, you think, how is this game even close, right? Hey, there's Shadyville 03 paying five bucks. Five bucks. I want some more yen for my Yako too, Ayako, if you're out there listening. <laughs> yep. So, But here's the thing. Uh, you look up and you're like, how is this game close? And how are they two yards away or five yards away from making this a one-score game? And then everybody's nervous with five minutes to go. Uh, and it's only because they missed a couple of, of plays and they they basically gave the momentum back with a couple of play calls. I would have preferred that they start, you know, go back to the running game at that point and run the ball and, and take more time off the clock. It is what it is, guys. They should have been safe passes and somebody missed an assignment. So, but more than anything, Again, you're, you're nitpicking when uh, you, they probably could have easily had 38 points, right? And and J.J. McCarthy is right now on par. We'll talk about it in terms of – remember everybody was complaining about Cade and the long ball. Well, J.J.'s not much better. I think they're pretty much similar in terms of the numbers, and I think he's going to get better there. He, you can't miss the open receiver like he missed Roman Wilson. Uh, that's got to be a touchdown against Ohio State, for example. You can get away with it against Iowa, but in the other big games, Penn State and stuff like that, that's a play that's got to be made, and I think he will get there. Yeah, so Shadyville, thank you for the super chat, the five dollar donation. He's got three questions here in the chat, so we're Let's gonna go. kind of we're gonna rapid fire here. Uh, Shadyville just became our fourth host for the day, so awesome. I'm gonna start with this, and we'll start with Clay. Our struggles at linebacker concerning. I think Junior Colson, uh, it was his lowest rated PFF grade maybe of his career. He had a pretty terrible day in coverage. Are you concerned about what you're seeing at linebacker right now? Um, a little bit. Part of it is because Nakai Hill Green. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said week one, oh, we'll see him next week. Obviously, things haven't gone according to plan there in terms of his injury, so continues to linger. Um, so you're banged up there, uh, and then you have Kalel Mullings, Michael Barrett, who I think have done some good things but uh, aren't quite the level of player I think Junior Colson will be as an upperclassman, and that leads me to Junior Colson, who has ma- he makes a lot of nice plays, um, and then you know there are some other plays where he leaves a little bit to be desired, but – it's kind of to be expected. I think Nikai Hill Green would, you know, cover some of that up and would be more of a, a better duo in the middle there if he was healthy. So a little bit concerned. Um, D-line, I feel like they're not getting off blocks as well as they could. And it's funny to to say that after they, you know, held Iowa to 35 yards rushing. I know it was 60-something if you take out the sacks. But, um, 
but yeah, that w- that was something I noticed too. Kind of getting a little more push. Mozzie got pushed back on some plays. Uh, he also made some big plays. Took on a lot of double teams. So it's been okay, inconsistent uh, up front overall. And the pass rush is a little concerning. But oh, linebacker, you know, I wouldn't say I'm more concerned with that than you know, anything else on the team. I think it's just kind of one of those things we're going to have to continue to watch. Uh, I'm a little bit just because the the depth isn't there, right? And if Junior mm-hmm. Colson, there are no teaching moments for him where you can pull him offside and, you know, have Josh Ross out there and, and maybe Nakai or somebody else and and say, hey, watch this, watch this. He's kind of learning on the fly. And I think he's hesitating a little bit. I think he's thinking more than reacting at times. Uh, we saw it on one of the touchdown runs against Maryland, as a matter of fact, and a couple of those plays. So, But he's got to be better, especially in pass pro, if they're going to play as much zone as they are there was way too much room out there guys in, in the uh, zone and that gets that michigan zone defense yeah, another one from shadyville as we keep his little segment going here uh was the late fourth quarter pass rush a sign of things to come or just due to iowa being one-dimensional at that point i think it's a little bit of both I, you know when a team has to throw and you can pin your ears back a bit that certainly helps i think mike morris got cooking a bit as the game closed out yabi uh oki as he is referred to now, I think got his most extended. I haven't seen the snap counts yet. I think it was his most extended run of the season. I could be wrong there. Clayton, you can correct me on that. Um, Sounds that, right. Okay. Yeah, he's our <laughs> he's our PFF snap count guy. Do you remember um, how many snaps, Clay? Uh, I want to say it was 18 or okay. 11 in that range. Okay. So I know it's it 18 was or 11 in that range. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not where I think it will be That's a couple weeks look. from now in November. What it is, we'll have the, we'll get our stats department. We're without producer Hutch tonight, who's dealing with a personal matter. Shout out to Hutch mm-hmm. for all he does for us. Uh, the pass rush, I think, will continue to get better. Uh, I, I think it's a bit of column A, bit of column B there. So um, we'll see what happens. That's it needs to be a little more consistent. I mean, there were times in this game where Petrus, thank God, he can't hit. You know, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And when sometimes when he throws the ball, but. Um, yeah. Or he couldn't, or he couldn't hit a traffic pylon from two yards. Yeah. say that too. <laughs> uh, we'll go to this last one uh, from Shadyville. Uh, again, thank you so much for the sh- uh, for the super chat. Said so they offensively e- had easily their best game of the se- season. What is their ceiling? I don't know if they had their. Be- I mean, adjusted for opponent. I mean, I think that's about as good as it gets against or as good as it gets. You know, not the Big Ten title game notwithstanding at Kinnick Stadium against the Iowa defense, especially coming out early and kind of punching them in the mouth. Chris, what did you think about that? I thought they left about 17 points on the board, right, with the deep ball. And uh, what I loved, okay, is that, as Kirk Ferentz said, he said, when you can run the ball, play calling is easy. Well, it's not so much, you know, he wasn't really disparaging the play callers, but he's got a point, right? When you can do so many different things, play action, and the safeties have to come up. I tweeted at one point, you know what, they're just bludgeoning them up front and then they're going to take a shot deep and it's going to be there and they're going to score well they took their shot it was there they just didn't score so that's going to change there were a couple plays that they missed i thought literally that could have been 20 27 to nothing at halftime there was one where they're moving the ball down the field on the second possession and Zach Zinder steps on jj mccarthy's foot and that ends the drive otherwise that's at least three points that's an unforced mistake uh the ceiling is extremely high if this offensive line stays intact like it was they those guys were mauling people fellas i can't wait to see these guys again against some of these other defenses coming up because uh, they play with a nasty streak. This is really, uh, we've seen really a lot of good linemen come through here in the last five, six years. I was watching 
the NFL the other day and John Runyon's out there and Michael and Wenu playing against each other. Those guys were good in, in spurts. These guys play as well together and as physical together as any group I've seen in a long, long, long time. They have a chance to be elite. And when that happens, then everything gets easier, especially with J.J. McCarthy continuing to improve and Blake Corum becoming that outstanding running back that I think we thought he could be. Iabioki, 26 snaps, uh, season high. So way off there. Too many numbers in my head at this point. It's okay. And it's a Monday. Uh, so, yeah, on the offense, um, I think in terms of execution, you know, it was probably their best game. I mean, I mean, Hawaii, I don't know how much you really can take, you know, any stock in that. Um, but – from the get-go, that first possession, I know it was scripted, but just the way those guys were communicating, the crowd was into it at that point right out of the jump. I mean, some of that stuff, you know, pre-snap, guys are yelling. You see uh, Trevor Keegan would, you know, look back at J.J. J.J. would say he's ready. He'd tap Olu. They'd get the snap. I mean, everything was just so crisp. That was super impressive. The first drive of the third quarter was awesome as well. Um, and then – you know, they went a little conservative, but at the same time, I mean, that's you had a cushion to work with because of the execution you had earlier on in the game. And then Blake Corum does what Blake Corum does to kind of call game at the end there. I know, Chris, with your staff prediction, you wanted him to just go down. And uh, <laughs> you know what? The kid's selfish. <laughs> what, do you, what can I say? Exactly. He clearly didn't want me to win staff picks, and John Borton backs his way in, but we'll talk about that in staff picks next week. But <laughs> yeah. I do want to say something about what Christopher Robbins said here about tight end blocking exceptional, too. There are times behind the glass when you can hear the pads smack. Luke Schoonmaker has had a lot of those this year where he has picked up the slack. He had one where he hit a linebacker, guys, on Saturday, and I could hear it behind the glass, the pads smacking pads, and I'm thinking, this kid is playing like a monster. So you're absolutely right. And Max Bredesen takes a lot of pride in that, too. Those two guys uh, picking up the slack for Eric all outstanding. Yeah, Christopher's full comment here says, most encouraging aspect of this game was how well the offensive line played with he, uh, Hayes, Keegan, Olu, Sinter, and Jones playing their first full game together. Tight end blocking was exceptional, too. Uh, we've got a comment here from Blue Dove, who says the touchdown pass to Edwards, J.J. rolling out to the right, eluding pressure. That was a definite J.J. play. Very unlikely would have we would have seen that from Cade. The Cade-like offense was still very much J.J. Uh, I don't know what that last part means, but I, I think that I think that the touchdown pass that he had is – I mean, for for the, the little things that we do pick apart, which we can do, we watch every snap of every game. That was that was impressive, and that's mm-hmm. you know at, there are, there are times where we get the full kind of JJ experience, where it's you know you see what's in the toolbox, but you also see the stuff that needs to get better, especially in terms of you know making the right decision play to play. Uh, Shane Johnson is here with a ten dollars super chat. All right. Wow. Um, Wow, Shane, shout out to you. We will take uh, Shane's question and give him some limelight here and then talk about our friends (laughs) at the Rogue Shop uh, after that. Uh, Shane Johnson says, the Super Chat is not for AB's dog. It's a cold brew for Uncle Ballas and you two. Great game in all four phases. And at that horror house, oh, better watch how you say that on the air. Uh, (laughs) Coaching, offense, defense, special teams. Only disappointment is JJ's miss. The offense with Edwards and Keegan is on another level. Let's talk about Donovan Edwards for a second. I mean, it's in, in games where things are going to be tight, when you go play at a Kinnick Stadium, it, it's about your matchups and it's your it's about you know playing the chess game a bit. And and Blake Corm, make no mistake about it. I think a lot of us kind of assumed coming into this year that it would be a one A and one B sort of dynamic like Hassan and and Blake Corm was last year. But you know Blake Corm is kind of clearly the guy right now. But as far as Edwards goes, you just see. I mean, he I think he caught five passes in the game. 
only five rushes or so. It was it was four catches. It was four four for twenty one. I think is what the final tally was. But this offense does look a little like it. It does take on a different sort of look when he's out there on the field. It does. And Clay, I'll let you. I'll go to you first. Yeah, I thought he was huge in this game. And remember, he obviously played well against Iowa last season too. Where you you know you're. You want to win the trenches. You want to do all that. You out-physicaled Iowa, which I thought was just, uh, as Jim Harbaugh says, it warms the cockles of your heart. If you're a team that goes into Kinnick uh, and, you know, beats them up up front. But you also want those dynamic athletes, too, like a Donovan Edwards, who I love that little motion where they kind of that little swing motion to him. Then he's either a decoy or he's getting the ball on almost every play he's out there. Some of his runs, especially in the first half, he was patient, hit the hole. He had the 10-yarder. I believe it was on the first drive. So uh, he was great. And then he found, you know, kind of that soft spot. He was he was yelling, J.J., throw me the ball. Well, J.J. was kind of evading the rush and, uh, you know, then obviously got the touchdown. That was tipped. So it was a really good job by Donovan to catch that, still, you know, stay in bounds. Um, he makes his offense way more dynamic. And I think, you know, we're only going to see that more and more Blake um, probably still going to be the workhorse. And really let's be honest too. And Blake was hurt at the end of last season, but even when he was healthy kind of towards the middle, it was still Hassan that really separated himself. Now it's his time to do that. Uh, Donovan will have his role. Um, And I will say this, this is another thing from, you know, being a little closer up Donovan was limping a few times after some of those uh, plays, you know, and he would kind of limp off and then he'd come back in the next series. So once he gets, fully, fully, fully healthy. Uh, I think we're going to see more of him and in an expanded role. And as we've talked about throughout the offseason, early this season, I am excited about uh, what this offense can do with him because he's a he's a weapon. Yeah, and Shane, uh, you know what? The DNA ancestry test came back. We are not related. I, I don't know how many <laughs> times I have to say this. I actually went to Ancestry.com. But uh, love you, man, and I appreciate you being here every week. So, the um, yeah, great game in all four phases. The one thing, you know what, Brad Robbins uh, – the, with the miss hit on the punt, that was a bad time for that guys. That was the sequence that got Terrible. them back in this in this football game. And Anthony and I, Anthony was up uh, at the press box saying Nick could be down by twenty six and or the, thirteen might as well be twenty six points. And I'm like, okay, you know. And I've said I've seen a lot of things in the stadium. Then about four plays, five plays later, they're down at the four yard line, five mm-hmm. yard line with a chance to cut it to one score. You know what? And we're all getting a little uptight up there and and everything else. We unbiased journalists, you know, thinking that we're gonna have to be dealing with angry message board posters. So. Um, but you know what? Your point about Keegan, Shane, I asked Jim specifically about that, and he said the same thing. It is different. Uh, as well as Giovanni Elhadi played, Trevor Keegan takes this offense to another level. There was a time there, guys, where we were concerned that this might be a long-term injury for him. He's got the big neck roll out there, and this kid is absolutely dominating people. And as our Doug Skeen says, our analyst, he is out there looking to make people cry and has that little something about him, that little mean streak, you know, where he's oh, yeah. once. Yeah, and I love that. you, you got to love that an offensive lineman so Shane really appreciate you brother thank you for that yeah offensive line again played its best most cohesive game of the season in a place where you know many offensive lines have have proven to be I don't want to say fraudulent but Jim Harbaugh has said that he thought this is a group that wouldn't flinch and, and we saw them come out with the pink towels we saw them using the pink towels to get the crowd fired up uh, the towels of course in reference to the pink visiting locker room there this team is not rattled by anything. And that's the good, you know, that this is another win that I think obviously it goes in the in the books for the 22 uh, 2022 Wolverines, but a game like this doesn't happen if that group that came before them doesn't kind of show them away and they find out a way to kind of steal that energy 
on the road. This is a program that has completely embraced the villain role, and it is it's long overdue. I mean, these yeah. guys have an edge to them, and, and they're still figuring things out. But uh, you know, so far so good. You're, you'd rather be again. I mean, you'd rather be in Michigan spot than be where Georgia was over the weekend, or some of these teams that were around them in the rankings that you know have struggled and and lost games. So. Uh, we're going to put a pin in it right there. We do have a lot of things to get to in the queue, but first I want to talk about our friends over at the rogue shop. So uh, of course you can use the promo code Wolverine or the Wolverine at the rogue at rogue shop.com for 10% off. I want to take a few moments of course, to talk about our friends over at the rogue shop. As you guys know, it's a husband and wife business led by our pals, Richard and Char who are craft cannabis farmers specialized specializing in small batch, sustainable plant medicine. Richard is a disabled combat veteran and his wife is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. Uh, So if you're looking for products that can help diffuse stress or anxiety or help soothe some chronic pain and insomnia, I have had a hell of a time sleeping lately and also have a little bit of back pain from getting back into running and things like that. And and the pain cream has been great for me. Um, You know, they sell uh, the tinctures, the, the moon rocks, pre-rolls, flower, diamonds, lollipops, you name it, it's on their website. So, Chris, I know recently I think you had a family member who needed uh, a little bit of pain uh, reduction with uh, and, and Rogue Shop was able to help him out. Yeah, my, my mom. In fact, Richard said, hey, did your mom order some this? Yeah, she sure did. And you know what? <laughs> She's had back pain forever. And she said it. Uh, she sent me a note. And she said it helped me immensely. So I got my stuff in a, in a nice little note from Char and I was just blown away. And uh, just good people. And Richard, thanks for your service, brother. As a combat veteran, uh, you know how much we appreciate you guys, uh, all the veterans. So, but they are fantastic. And, uh, you know, they've got the balm, you know, that for the, um, for injuries that I use, uh, get, not getting any younger uncle ballast here. So, <laughs> and, uh, it's been, it's been great. We just really appreciate these guys as sponsors. Cause they're good people, man. We, we'd like to partner with good people and, and these guys are some of the best. Yeah. It's a plus plus in all regards, Anthony, for the people watching, pulling up the site, all sorts of things. He named it, even lollipops, which is crazy. Uh, you know, the gummies are great. Helps you unwind. I talk about it every week, but that is huge. I know people deal with stress, anxiety, that sort of thing. So you can kind of just relax. Maybe I'll, you know, take a couple, uh, maybe one, watch Monday Night Football tonight when we're all done with the work. So uh, love that. Handwritten notes, great. Uh, the live chat feature on the site to figure out exactly what you need is awesome too. All right. Well, we appreciate our friends over there. Thank you guys for supporting us. And, uh, partnership's been great. Uh, check out that pain cream. I'm telling you, it, it has worked for me. So uh, shout out to our friends over at the Rogue Shop. Uh, I want to go to, there was a couple a comment in here from Josh LaFond, uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball. I think it really kind of applies to both sides. He says, it's nice to see Michigan having an identity under Harbaugh that's been sustainable. Being physical on the road against Iowa shouldn't be understated. Teams prior to this year and 2000, or, I guess I'll rephrase this teams prior to the last two years would have folded in that situation. That place was rocking. I mean, it was, I haven't done many big 10 road trips yet. Uh, looking across a few more off the list this year, but of any college game atmosphere that I've been to uh, Kinnick is everything they say it is. And then some. Yeah. And you know what, Josh, is that big Tom Callahan? I see is the picture in his, that is. Uh, yep. see Anthony would know Clay wouldn't because Anthony's an old soul. And uh, you know what, uh, Mr. No big clue. time, Mr. Big time college grad is what I think about. Uh, that's from Tommy boy. That's fantastic. Uh, two things. You know what, Jim, when Jim Harbaugh got here, 
Uh, and I think he kind of, I, I'll say it, I think he panicked a little bit with that speed and space stuff where, okay, we can't beat Ohio State this way. We've got to change and, you know what, and get the ball to the playmaker, so on and so forth. He's gone back to a lot of the lead blocking, not with fullbacks, but with tight ends in that role and just dominating the, the line of scrimmage, which I love. We're going to see more play action off of it, I think going forward uh we he proved last year that you can beat ohio state that way right by bullying them he bullied iowa they bullied iowa at their own game and i love that identity i don't care if it's you know slinging the ball 50 times or you know running the ball 50 times you have to stick to what you're good at and what you know and that's what jim harbaugh knows and this is the jim harbaugh offense the michigan offense and i wrote that i said you know what like you said it's not necessarily the kate or the jj offense it's the michigan offense but as we saw against Michigan State last year when Cade McNamara, Anthony threw for 383 yards, I think it was, he'll open it up if he has to. And I think you're going to see some more of that too. But you're right. And I, I give, you know what, I give Cade McNamara a lot of credit. I give Hassan Haskins, Aiden Hutchinson, all those guys. He's absolutely right in those games last year against Penn State and Nebraska on the road. When things went back, they would have snowballed and they would have turtled and that would have been it. Not this group. And I think the last year's group, again, to Anthony's point, Last year's group really helped set the tone for this year's group as well. And now we're seeing Michigan football how it used to be and how it should be. And that's culture, right? I mean, they carry yep. over, uh, you know, from one year to the next. And the guys that were maybe, you know, spot duty, you know, playing some snaps here or there, they saw what the Aiden Hutchinsons did, what the Cade McNamara's did, how they carried themselves. And now they're doing it in their, you know, bigger roles this season. That's what culture is. And it felt like really last year was that total reset. And now this is kind of phase two of the Jim Harbaugh era. And it's been really fun to watch going into an environment like that. It was an incredible environment, especially when the crowd got going. They did boo quite a bit their offense here and there, which was kind of funny to hear. Uh, it went silent at times when Michigan was really taking it to them. But when things when they sensed that momentum was going their way, I mean, that was loud uh, in there. So uh, credit to Michigan for going in there, doing that, waving those pink towels around, embracing, you know, kind of what, you know, they've been doing that where it's like, we're, we're just going to make your music, our music as Jim Harbaugh has said. Uh, he has said that for eight years at Michigan, but these last two teams are the ones that are really doing it. I think he, he is proud of kind of, you know, the mentality those guys have taken on. Yeah. And the thing of it too, is that is like I said, it did start last year. And for once, like you felt like at Michigan that they could talk about it. They could, they could say what they wanted, but until there was a group that did it, that rubs off and that trickles down. And that's where, you know, and even, uh, you know, for example, I hate to keep bringing up the two guys, but JJ McCarthy, when he's talked about the influence that watching Cade McNamara and, and how he's led the offense has influenced him heading into this year. And you hear that from all these guys who still stay in contact with the Aiden Hutchinson's, the David Ojabos of the world and all that. So I think, you know, there, there is for as much of a desire as there is to, uh, at least going back to the offense where, you know, people want to sort of fight fire with fire when it comes to every week they watch the game and go, yeah, but is this enough to beat Ohio State? I'm not going to question the formula anymore because I saw it last year. The fact of the matter is, is that when you are able to dictate the line of scrimmage and push guys around and do what you want up front, not just on the offensive line, but on the defensive line, and that's that side of the ball is where it needs to get a little better. And on the offensive side, I think this offensive line will only get better. And it was a pretty great performance that we saw Saturday. But when you can control what happens up front, you get to dictate what type of game it's going to be. And that's and, the biggest key with this. Miss. And as we've seen when there are snow flurries, Anthony, it can really throw a finesse offense off kilter. God, I hope I hope there's 12 inches of snow in Columbus this year. 
That'd as, be beautiful. As much as I would hate to plow my driveway on Black Friday. It's, well, I'll be in the press box anyway, so I couldn't care less. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about the people yeah. out there? Especially <laughs> exactly the be, Yeah. No offense to anybody. I don't want to offend, you know, whatever PC, this, that. But as Bob Eufer said, it's gonna be like eighty thousand truck drivers out there anyway. Who cares about them? Now, I love truck drivers, but they're Ohio State truck drivers. Uh, I'm a Buckeye fan. I'm worried about three games, Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan. Uh, Maryland's interesting, uh, Frank, and uh, we should make you pay for that just because you're a Buckeye fan. <laughs> Since we're taking your question, Shadyville made a good point – or made a point about the pink locker rooms. I'm surprised they've been forced to repaint. I don't think they can force them to do anything, uh, honestly. They're just going to be – you know, they're going to do what they do. So is the Big Ten going to come in and say you need to change the color? I don't think so. So It's offensive. Um, yeah, well, I don't know who's it offensive to. It's that I don't think it's offensive. Uh, but yeah, you know what? What do you guys think? I want to know what you think about Maryland because you know what? Here's the thing: they all played. Uh, they they played Michigan tough. Uh, obviously, they should have beaten Michigan State probably thirty eight to to ten or something like that if they'd gotten the benefit of a couple calls or a couple bounces here or there. So, uh, at the same time, I'm not sold on Mike Loxley and his crew. And even though they have a weaker schedule, I could see them dropping a game or two. They shouldn't. Yeah, I, you know, Chris was as pissed at Mike Loxley as he was for Michigan for leaving points on the field Saturday. And- <laughs> Only because I had a bet on the game. I just want to, you know, I don't want to offend any Michigan State fans there. Uh, of course you do. We all right. do. Um, it's, it, Maryland's interesting because I think depending on the way things break with Penn State and Maryland and Penn State will play on November 12th. So maybe this is a game that decides that. Like I expect the Big Ten East to be Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan, Ohio State, whatever way it winds up being. I think there's an outside chance that Maryland could be that third team when we thought maybe it would be, I mean, it still can be Penn state. It's not going to be Michigan state, but you know, Maryland from here, they play Purdue, they play Indiana, Northwestern, Wisconsin, who's in disarray right now. Paul Chris was fired, which is pretty, pretty surprising. But you know, when you get out Wisconsin by Illinois, that's pretty (laughs) eye opening. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I think they're a little better than I gave them credit for, but I don't think, I still think whatever their potential is, they'll probably find a way to finish a game or two below that still. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, kind of came into the year thinking they were going to take a step forward with all they had returning because they were banged up last season in addition to making a bowl game. So they, they're on the rise a little bit. Michigan State stepped back. So, I mean, that's kind of a spot they can take in the standings. But when you look at the Big Ten East, it's so tough to crack that top three if you're a Maryland type of team. So, uh, it's going to be tough for them. But I do think that was a, a good test for Michigan. They're better than people thought coming in. Their run game is more impressive than even I thought. Uh, with Littleton, looks like the guy now at this point for them. So um, Maryland, man, look out. You can't sleep on them. When's the Penn State-Ohio State game, guys? That's it, Penn State win. That's October 29th, same day as Michigan-Michigan Michigan State. State, I believe. I believe. Yeah. yeah. So That's that. That's why there's – I mean, I, I think we're pretty – are you know it's pretty well reported at this point that it feels like Michigan State will be a night game, but I do wonder, depending what's on the line in that Penn State Ohio State game, I don't know if that's a, a, a 13 day window game or whatever it is, but um, it'll be big noon, yeah. And probably, yeah, because Fox, Fox, still Fox has first, yeah, yeah. Fox has first pick on that day, so mm-hmm. that'll be the big noon game. The only question is whether or not ABC thinks that anybody we'll give a crap about Michigan against two and five Michigan state team, which guys, uh, you know what? We've said it so many times and made so much fun of them. And then they come in here and, and, you know, when Rocky Lombardi puts up stupid numbers, like he did, you know, the only time he's ever played well in any game ever, I I will never take that game for granted again. You know what? Mark D'Antonio and his dark magic. He 
he's still alive. So there might be a monsoon or there might be some crazy call or whatever. You know what? I'm not taking that one for granted. But and I think that game will still do numbers. I do. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State at night. And there's not that we think that it, that's what the plan is right now, guys. Flat out, the Ann Arbor Police Department permits have been pulled. Those there, we know police officers that I've talked to that are planning on working it. So unless it changes, that's what it's going to be. Just as we said that Penn State, Michigan was going to be noon for several weeks now, and that came to fruition. So trust us on this one. Amen to that. Always trust us. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I'm going to rapid fire through a couple questions here. Uh, one from Jason Campbell says, is there any concerns about the lack of explosiveness on offense? The fourth and one run up the middle against Iowa lacked any imagination. Chris, we'll start with you here because I, I saw you in conversation with someone on this on the message board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing on that play, they should have called timeout guys because there was the the clock was winding down and they timed that snap perfectly. And one thing that I'm going to write in, um, uh, in after watching the game is how good JJ McCarthy has been at not telegraphing the snap, which I think has been a problem for Michigan for several years. This time they didn't have a choice because that clock was winding down. If he'd kept that ball or whatever, you put a little bit of read option in there, then you've got a much better chance, but they had no chance because they were running downhill at the snap. It wasn't so much about the play call as much as it was. They were disorganized. I thought, and didn't weren't able to get any push off the ball because they had a wave coming at them. So uh, as far as the lack of explosiveness on offense last year, number one, overall with uh, in 50 play 50 plus yard plays this year, they don't have one. And so there is a little bit of concern there in my opinion, because you don't want to have to go 10 to 15 plays on every scoring drive. So um, you know what? We, I think, we'll, I think they'll get better there, but I'd love to see somebody break off a big run. You know, I'd love to see JJ McCarthy hit on some of those passes uh, that really, you know, he's been, again, if this were Cade McNamara, uh, people would be squawking about, you know, how terrible he is at the deep ball. When in reality, guys, it's a hard pass to make. Joel Klatt said that too. He said, you know what? doesn't matter if the guy's open or not. It's just a low percentage passing play. Uh, it's hard to make no matter how open guys are. But yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. There is a little bit of a, a concern there, but I think it can get better. Yeah, I'm not totally concerned about it because I think those are going to come. If you look at the last two weeks, the way both teams were playing their pass coverage, I mean, they didn't want to get beat deep. So Michigan took what was there. Um, you know, UConn did the same thing. And I know that's UConn, but hey, if there are guys back there, you know, JJ is making the right read. Uh, the run game, yeah, it's a little surprising that Blake hasn't broken a few. Uh, he didn't get a ton of carries in the non conference and then has started to over the last couple of weeks against better defenses, including Iowa. Um, I wouldn't say I'm worried. I think they're they're just getting started when it comes to the offensive line being at full strength now for the run game to open things up against, you know, now that they've gotten past that Iowa hurdle, the defenses get a little bit lighter starting with this week. Penn State will be tough, obviously. Um, but I think if J.J. hits on a few of those deep balls and, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that hasn't happened yet, but I haven't seen any signs that tell me it's not going to happen or it can't happen going forward. Yeah, oddly enough, and it doesn't change the larger point, but the only 50-plus yard play I can think of was the, uh, oddly enough, a J.J. McCarthy deep ball, to, uh, deep ball to Cornelius Johnson in the Hawaii game. I think it was 54 yards on that post route, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the type of play that leads me to believe it will improve too. So, uh, But it doesn't change the larger point. I don't think they've been ex- as explosive as they want to be. I think they've been sort of transparent about that too. Uh, I like the point on Quorum in that he's kind of had the bulk of his production against the two best teams he played so far. Um, that's a guy who I think is going to keep raising his level of play uh, as as the team or as the games get tougher, which is great to see. So uh, speaking of Blake Corum, Jonas James wants to know, do you think Blake Corum has Heisman potential? 
Clayton, we can start with you there. What's the laughing? There's also a laughing emoji there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what he thinks. I'd like to know what Jonas James thinks of Blake Corum's Heisman potential. But I, no, I mean, I think he has Heisman potential. I don't think he's going to win it. I think there's a, you know, point whatever percent. Um, but he's a great back. He's proven to be that. And speaking of Blake Corum with, you know, the short yardage stuff, Jim Harbaugh called him a five tool back today. Basically can do everything, run inside, outside, pass, protect, catch out of the backfield. And one other thing, I guess, um, to make him a five tool back, you know, his three, his last three touchdowns have come on, you know, plays where everybody's bunched up. It's a short yardage situation and he's able to break it. So yeah, maybe he won't pick up a first down that Hassan Haskins would have somewhere else, but maybe he's going to get one of those explosive plays in a spot that Hassan Haskins wouldn't have not to compare the two. Um, but, you know, just based on looking at this Michigan offense from Hassan to Blake, uh, you know, I think those are some of the things that will happen. And maybe Blake will break a first down run for eight yards where Hassan would have gotten six. Then you're in a better position. So it's kind of, you know, I think Blake Corum is a very, very good back. I don't expect him to win the Heisman, but uh, I think he could be an All-American if things continue the way they're going. Ten touchdowns already for him. He had 11 last year. I think he could break that Hassan Haskins record of 20 in a single season, the Michigan record. So he's off to a fantastic start to the Big Ten season. He'd have to have a couple 200-plus yard games, right? And then you get everybody's attention. Wow, you know, what he had 210 against Penn State or something like that, or 220 and dominated, and then came back against Michigan State on TV again and had 240 or something like that to get up there with, you know, whoever, you know, the Alabama quarterback or the Georgia quarterback or the Georgia whatever, you know what, uh, to put yourself in contention there. So, uh, but what I love about him is that he's moving chains, guys. He's moving piles uh, with those big legs of his, and that's something that we were concerned about, right, with Hassan Hash. Leaving, who's that guy that's going to be able to get the short yardage? And Blake Corum's been able to do that as well in his vision. Uh, you know what? I love, I love Mike Hart in the way that he has affected these guys. And Jim Harbaugh talked about it today. I see aspects of Mike Hart's game in Blake Corum, and that's a sign of a great teacher when you are patient enough for a hole to open up and you're getting extra yardage after you get hit. You know, a three-yard game becomes five, a five-yard game becomes seven. That's the sign of a good back. That's the sign of a well-coached back, and that is what Mike Hart brings to the table. Yeah, and, you know, and a couple of people in the comments have said this too. Uh, as far as the Heisman race goes, it's a quarterback's award now, which isn't the way it should be. Um, again, it was nice to see Aiden Hutchinson at least there at the ceremony last year. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of skewed towards the quarterbacks. And again, not to not to you know give praise to the school up the road, but I think Kenneth Walker probably had as close to a Heisman season as a back could have last year and didn't even get invited to the ceremony. So it's hard for those guys to do at that position, especially when you play a Michigan's offense. I mean, they're not... They don't give Heisman trophies to guys that put their shoulder down and get four yards. They put them to the guys that are Reggie Bush and are cheat codes and things like that. So we'll see. He's got a chance for sure. Um, hey, they are running this. I'm sorry. To be fair, if Kenneth Walker had played on Michigan's team, he probably would have gotten invited. And that's probably why Michigan State hates Michigan so much, right? Among the thousand other reasons. But go. sorry to interrupt you there, AB. <laughs> no, that's all good. Uh, I was, I, as I am, I was on a tangent anyway. So we'll go to another one from Jason Campbell. Whoops. That's what happens when Hutch isn't here. Jason Campbell says, seems like Michigan plays to its opponent's weaknesses. Why throw to Iowa when they feed off interceptions? Not concerned about Ohio State like previous years. Hope CJ Stroud can get some vitamin C for his flu issues. I think that kind of goes back to our larger point about, and thank you, Jason, for the comment 
about this being an offense that it does that they do what they do well. They want to dominate you up front, and they're content if you're if you're going to play your safeties back. They'll go the long way, and if you want to creep up, they'll hit you for a big pass, or we think they will eventually uh, down the field. So that's I think yeah, people want to see the air raid. People want to see him run the spread, which they tried the spread before. Remember, it was uh, about four or five years of of nightmares in terms of being a balance or, or really being uh, something that can hold up in the Big Ten. But yeah, it's nice to have an offense where they can zig when the opponent zags. That's the the biggest strength they have going for them. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, they are spreading it out at times, too. They're also bunching up. At other times, you see Honingford and Bredesen come in on some plays. They come out for guys like Andrew Anthony, Darius Clemens at other times. So, And Harbaugh kind of did that when he was in San Francisco, too. They basically had all options open. He could run whatever kind of offense they wanted within that West Coast kind of you know system that he grew up in. Um, so, no, I, I think Michigan has the personnel to, to kind of play to what its opponent is giving them. We've seen that over the last three weeks and, you know, really, really well. And, you know, all options are on the table depending on what you want to do. Iowa started to creep those safeties up. I thought they could have done a few more things, but at the same time, they built enough of a lead where why put the ball in harm's way? The only way, uh, you know, at certain times in that game, the only way Iowa was going to win is if you – make a huge mistake and JJ made a decently big mistake. It cost them uh, a little bit, but not quite the game. And I think they realized they just wanted to get out of there with the win. That's what they did. Uh, I can't fault them for the conservatism uh, in the play calling kind of late in that game, because as Chris, you said, you've seen some crazy things in that building. Um, You know, so is Jim Harbaugh. That was his first win there. Um, You know, as a player or a coach was 0 three coming in. So they wanted to get the win. Um, I, I don't fault them for that. And I think that we're going to see more of the playbook as we go forward in, you know, different games. Yeah. And Kirk Ferentz admitted that that was how they were going to stay in that game is if that kid made right. a couple more mistakes, you don't put him in that position in his fourth start, his first start in a, an environment like that. It's like you said, it was crazy. The best way to take the air out of a stadium is to ran the ball down their bleeping throats. And that's exactly what they did on the first series. That place was silent as Clay will attest to when yes. they absolutely manhandled them, got their chicken sandwiches as uh, after the game, as, as uh, Doug Skeen would, say you know what that was a workmanlike effort that was fantastic that is how you quiet a stadium like that the funniest part about this they actually did i don't know if they got chicken sandwiches but raising canes was the post-game meal based on uh what we had heard so i don't that's hilarious so tell skeen that i think they did get chicken sandwiches after the game perfect after a great win like that old school uh you know old-fashioned type of win hey no no free ads here uh i'm a chick-fil-a guy myself though (laughs) never even heard of raising cane (laughs) it's yeah a little more yeah we don't have them around here so and i'm wearing a mr spot shirt anyway so that's if you want to get a chicken sandwich that's where you get it from well that's we can't it's not a sponsor but i do fully endorse mr spot so shout out to those guys over there no free Um, ads but i love mr spot um what was the point i was gonna make before we went off the rails sorry Uh, no that's okay i I, (laughs) that's what happens when we do it live and it's been a long day long weekend really yeah um, yeah, yeah, guys, there are people that we saw on the message board and again, not, not taking an adversarial tone message board, Twitter, people to, who, who want, wanted to see them throw the ball more, open things up. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to be mean, but have you, you have to watch how Iowa football plays and, and know how they've played in that stadium, right? Like that's, that's not a game where you're opening up the playbook and things like that. So again, Missed a couple opportunities to take deeper shots when you could, but when you look at their their players' defensive grades, especially on the coverage side of things for how they've played as a unit this year, 
a lot of guys in coverage are in that teal on pro football focus, which usually means, you know, that's among the best of the best in college football. So shout out to those guys as well. Uh, we were going to end on one final question. Uh, so we get wrapped up and out of here before the radio show starts with Jim Harbaugh. Trey Conrad wants to know, anyone have any updates on what Roman is dealing with? Yeah, I Roman asked, Wilson, uh, that is. I asked Jim Harbaugh about that today because I just wanted to know that he was okay because he took a shot to the head uh, on a targeting play that wasn't called. And you know what? Anytime there's a head injury, as we saw with Tua and these guys, uh, you take it seriously. We don't ask Jim Harbaugh about injuries normally because, you know, if it's a sprained ankle, he's made it very clear that he doesn't want to touch those. But it was very clear that it was a head injury. And I asked Jim what he saw on that. And he said the same thing you saw, which was helmet to helmet contact. Uh, you know, I didn't I'm not complaining about the whistle at Iowa. I thought it was uh, in really in Michigan's favor for quite a bit of that game. But that was one where. You're like, come on, guys. You know what? Somebody up in the booth there, make a call here. His head got snapped back. I think he actually went in and tried to play. He actually got right up and went to the the sideline because he's a tough guy. But that's what he's dealing with. And um, my guess, um, you know, and rumblings are that he's in protocol right now. I don't know if it will affect him on Saturday, but that's what the deal is there. Yeah, and they didn't review that. Uh, they obviously should have. He got interfered with in the end zone one time. Scooney got interfered with one time, wasn't called. So for as much as Iowa, and trust me, being in the stands, I mean, they were not happy with especially the female uh, official. And they were giving those officials hell when they were walking down the uh, from one quarter to the next, um, you know, in the TV timeout. They were booing them louder than they were booing Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator. Wow. But uh, it was, you know, as much as they want to say that the refs were all, you know, Michigan side, there was one bad call. I thought it was that clipping call, um, but they, they got some breaks too. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't kind of this egregious thing, but yeah, hope Roman Wilson's okay. Obviously I thought that was a, you know, that was a tough hit he did pop up, but which is a good sign. But at the same time, again, that doesn't mean that you're fully okay as we have seen over the last couple of weeks in the NFL. Yep, and Admiral Banana Hammock made a great point there that it was uh, – that's exactly the most important data point because they had all of their oh, – I'm sorry, Captain Banana Peel, but they had all of their offensive line together and they were just bullying people up front. If you can do that to Iowa, you can do it against anybody, Ohio State, whatever. You can set the tone for that game too. Not looking ahead, but kind of looking ahead, guys, uh, based on what we've seen in the Big Ten this year. That's going to bode well down the, down the line as well. You've always got to have one eye on Ohio State. For always. Sure. As Bo Schembechler said in the last press conference he ever gave, when he said, do I think that we do something for Ohio State every day? That's exactly how he said it. I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later, he was gone. Well, I think that's a good place to end it, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, it's been another productive Monday night. Again, thank you to Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas for joining uh, joining me here, Anthony Broom on the Wolverine podcast. It's a group effort here. Uh, been a great season so far. It's flying by, so enjoy every moment you can of it. Uh, thanks to our friends over at uh, RogueShop.com. Again, use promo code the Wolverine for 10% off. Thanks to them for sponsoring our Monday night show. And thanks to all you guys, uh, our friends within, in the chat, those who, who use the donate button today, you guys are the lifeblood of this, and we want to get you as involved as we can. A lot of people watch live, a lot of people commenting, but we get to what we can. So uh, those of you that have questions, we'll be back. Uh, you know, there, There's always another opportunity. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Indiana this week, we'll see what happens. So uh, for Clayton, for Chris, I'm Anthony. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon.